the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Stay with me on this one. It's not political, I swear. But it'll give you a lot of insight in how I want to have a relationship with you. Rudy Giuliani got into a huff yesterday when his radio show started with a massive disclaimer. We know that he's being sued for making claims about the election. And some of the voting machines used in the election don't appreciate that when they're in the business of selling said voting machines. So lawsuits are fine. We live in a contentious legal society, to say the least. I think everyone knows that. We've all seen a Debbie or a Karen (laughs) scream, I'm going to sue you, at a park with maybe a puppy involved. You're like, what's going on? But the radio show that Giuliani does daily starts yesterday for the first time ever with the views, assumptions, and opinions expressed by Rudy Giuliani, his guests and callers on his program are strictly their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions, beliefs, or policies of WABC Radio, its owners, other hosts, and advertisers. Hey, I love disclaimers. Rudy Giuliani got bent out of shape about it, but I love him. Um, you really need to understand that there's a relationship that free speech, I'm talking about stocks, and you can lose money, and I don't want that. So... There's an advertiser on the station who might do solar, and he doesn't want you losing money on stocks. He wants you doing solar. So he's going to say, hey, careful on that guy because what I do is great. What he does is a little – I don't necessarily believe in it when it goes bad. But if it gets in on it, like you get how it works, right? I just think that's fair that you know that we have a weird relationship. But let's keep going forward. I'm an investor. My goal is to get you to retirement. My goal was to get me to retirement when I was once you. When I was 18 years old, I was like, I don't want to work till the day I die. That became my thought. If I were a tattoo guy, maybe that's what I would write on my body. I don't know, but I'm not a tattoo guy. One of the things I am is a guy who's got way too much time to think. And I don't like last night I caught myself watching TV. I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch Celebrity Jeopardy. I'm like, nope. Not going to watch Celebrity Jeopardy. I'm like, ooh, but Celebrity Wheel of Fortune's coming on. I'm like, nope, not going to watch. So I would sit there and just think and write down and pull out a notebook and write down ideas and investments. And I'm like, it's a Super Bowl weekend. Let's talk about the Super Bowl tomorrow on the show. Super Bowl tickets are currently going for $35,000 on Ticketmaster. Wow. Ticket prices hit a high of $40,000. They tend to peak probably Monday, Tuesday, they tend to exchange hands four times. But only 22,000 people will be allowed to go this year, of which 7,500 of them are healthcare workers, 
And I'm not saying it's going to be unscrupulous. If I was a healthcare worker and I was given a ticket to the Super Bowl, I might resell it. Put food on my family's table for a year because I got a free ticket. Absolutely. I would consider that. Go home, watch it on a big screen with free food on the table for a year. The game set to take place February 7th. That's this weekend. Raymond James Stadium. Tampa's a great city to visit. If you ever get a chance, I know you're saying, I don't like going to Florida there. Cockroaches are as big as birds. I agree. But Tampa and Miami, they're, they're worth two weekends of your life. I think Miami's more of a week. Tampa's more of a weekend. But Tampa's got some amazing Cuban food. If you like Cuban food, holy mackerel. And I know you're saying, that's on the wrong side of the ocean for Cuba. I know. But just for some reason, it's there. But I digress. $40,000 for a ticket. Passes for a group of four currently start. Eh, you get like 5400 if you're going to be like walking around the stadium. So typically the average price of a Super Bowl ticket is four to $5,000. And this year they're going for thirty-five to $40,000. Okay, that's, that, 35 is high. They're going between 10000 and 35000 But why, why not exaggerate it a little bit, right? So if you're looking for cheaper options, stay at home! That's just me. Uh, you can get a pair of tickets cheaper maybe versus buying just one solo. I don't know. Besides limiting the number of fans, the NFL is also going to be implementing several new safety protocols. One of them are going to be requiring face masks when the guests are not eating or drinking, cashless payments. This was going to be an interesting Super Bowl before the pandemic because they were going to go all cashless and make you buy like uh, Visa debit cards or credit cards outside the building and swipe everything. And Visa would get the, hey, it's a cashless Super Bowl, Jim Brown. What do you think about that, James? Well, Sterling Sharp, I tell you, cashless Super Bowls are the way to go. I love Visa. Like, it was supposed to be that, but then we got into this whole social distancing thing. Uh, seats throughout the stadium, including the first few rows, are blocked off, trying to create more physical distance between the fans and the players so that you know there's no Lambo leaps going on. $35,000 for a ticket. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? That would be a good poll. Was it an Xbox or a PlayStation that you bought on eBay? Was it, I don't know, maybe like Ritalin or some sort of drug you buy in Mexico because it's cheaper there and you put it on your eyes because it's going to take away all your wrinkles and then suddenly your eyes are purple. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? I would, I'm going to have to think about that. I think for me it was dating. I would fly dates to like Miami. Like, hey, guess what? We got a surprise weekend. And now it's almost like kidnapping someone. Like, I don't think that aged well. But you get the idea. $35,000 for a ticket. I know people that spend more money on showing that they're fans than spend money on their own retirement plan. And just so you know, like a football jersey is $180, $200. That is a whole month of planning for your retirement and you don't have to do that that many times. So if you plan for your retirement for 10 years at 12 months, 120 months, 
A football jersey is one of those 120 miles. I'm just throwing it out there because I see a lot of people throw money away for sporting issues. Again, I'm not against you having barbecue wings and gambling pools. I just I don't know if I would go for a $180 jersey unless you're going to suit up and play that weekend. But that's just me. I'm a fan. I'm not that big of a fan. Interesting day on Wall Street. Interesting week on Wall Street. We are kind of wrapping up earnings season and moving to what's next season. We know the game plan sees some sort of stimulus coming from Biden. We know the game plan has the question mark about student loan forgiveness. How will the market react to that? The companies that lent the money to the students probably are not going to like it. But the market still has to do with an impeachment trial. I believe that's midweek next week. Well, this guy said that, and this guy brought this gun, and this guy brought running shoes to the cabinet, and this guy, and this guy, and this guy. Like, I don't even know if we want that, but – um, on Wall Street, I don't know if we know what we want it. And social justice and everything else, everyone's going to have a different opinion and everyone's going to have their opinion and everyone's right with their opinion. But at Wall Street, I think Wall Street wants to focus on the unemployment rate right now, but we'll get a little more dose of the impeachment. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Walmart lawsuit against the United States is over the opioids has been dismissed. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. $1,000. The next statement that comes out of my mouth is not going to be a shocker. Sports billionaires got $98.5 billion richer during the pandemic. How is that possible? During the pandemic, billionaires who own sports franchises added $98.5 billion to their net worth. That includes the owners of the two teams headed to the Super Bowl. Some players opted out of the NFL season due to COVID concerns. Over the past 10 months, 64 billionaires who own 68 professional sports teams have seen them add $98.5 billion to their wealth. Every now and then you see a statistic like, yes, if Jeff Bezos had given every employee $200,000 on the first day of the pandemic, March 15th or February 15th, whatever day it is, and I don't have the day in my head. I know it's sometime around now. If Jeff Bezos gave every employee $200,000 and the amount of wealth that he's created over the last year, he would still be break even on what he started. Like, where he started from, like, you're like, whoa. So that gets into tax fairness and it gets into policy studies and what's appropriate and what's not. Is grotesque wealth appropriate? I'm okay with it. I don't sit there and envy other people's success. Does it seem like, okay, he put a lot of work in 40 years ago on a patent that he's still reaping benefits from today. Is that somewhere where I get a little bit better? Nope. I don't judge on others. This it just wasn't in me when I was 20 and I had nothing. It's not in me when I'm 50 and I got something to rub between my fingers. I was taught not to look at others. So the owners of the Kansas City Chiefs are the Hunt family, specifically Ray Hunt. 
and Herbert Hunt, who have a value of about $6.3 billion collectively. And then you get that in the Glazer family, who owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're worth about $1.7 billion. Uh, the Glazers, I don't know if you remember this. They bought a soccer team in the English Premier League. And the English freaked out. The Glazers bought Manchester United. And I remember the it's, – it's not – I don't even know how well this story tells. I remember the English just like, they're going to Americanize our soccer. They're going to probably call it soccer instead of football. They're probably going to have sponsors everywhere. And that's exactly what's happened. We've Americanized to the English Premier League as much as we can. At age eight, Malcolm Glazer joined his father selling watch parts. Watch parts. That's how the family started their business. That's how they got money, selling watch parts? Yeah, so the young Glazer helped his dad sell watch parts. His dad died when he was 15, so he had to kind of go through like, oh, me and dad used to sell watches together. So he, he started a watch concession stand at an Air Force base, and that led to him wanting to get real estate, which led to – which led to, which led to. So again, starting to sell watch parts led to a kiosk, led to wanting to own said kiosk on real estate. Then he bought the National Bank of Savannah in upstate New York in 1963. He bought a healthcare facility for convalescence in 1973. Four more health centers, more real estate. Bought some television stations. Made a holding company for all of his businesses. Um, big shareholder in Harley-Davidson. Whoops. Bought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, started as a watch parts salesperson. Again, other than a band, I don't know how many parts go on a watch. And I know you're saying, oh, there's all sorts, Rob. There's the head and there's – see, I kind of run out there. But Malcolm Glazer bought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1995. What do you think he paid for him? What do you think he paid for him? A dollar? Close. $192 million. It was a league record. Today, that franchise is worth $4.7 billion. That's an investment. $200 million essentially to $4.7 billion. Not too shabby. Now, he goes off and dies, and he leaves all of his companies to Avram, Joel, Brian, Edward, Darcy, and Kevin. And I ask you this question. How come I didn't fall in love with someone named Darcy Glazer, heir to the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fortune? Well, because I fell in love with my heart instead of the purse strings attached to her arm. But you get the idea. Um, that's a long way from the 1950s selling watch parts to owning an English premier club, probably the most notorious franchise in the world, Manchester United, self-made billionaire, not too shabby. 
In future episodes, we'll de- delve into the Hunt family wealth. Let's just say it's not as good of a story as the Glazer family wealth. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We can talk about sports betting. As a big winner in 2020, the seeds were planted for 2021 and 2022 in particular. We will do that as the show unfolds. I don't want you to be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I kind of like this song. Because my son kind of likes the song. And there's a moment in your life where your son introduces you to new music. You're like, I've passed a parenting test because my kid doesn't suck. That's one of them for me. That when your kid likes music and he introduces you to it. And he goes, it's kind of a sad song. It's about someone who's dying dad. And uh, they used to drink coffee together. And I'm like, dude, you're making me sad. But there's something happy to be found in sadness. I truly believe that. I like my heroes to have flaws. And I like my bad guys to have redemptive qualities. I like the drama. One of the things I like to take a look at is history. And to me, it's fascinating to look at how people created wealth. You're not going to see anyone who invested in a timeshare on the list of the top wealthiest Americans. You're starting to see more and more what I would refer to as clans, which I would refer to as a combination of rich Americans without a royalty system, with so much wealth that it hits the granddaughters and cousins and nieces. Some of them own football teams. But when you take a look at what they own, you kind of get it. And it's a really good lesson to you as an investor. There's not a lot of easy money on these lists. When you take a look at the Walmart, it's a lot of retail stores. When you take a look at Hyatt Hotels and their family of riches, it's a lot of hotels around the world. It's not one or two. They're not trying to get rich off one thing. They're getting rich off scale. The Gallo family, that probably would have been a pretty fun family to grow up in, would you say? Hey, I brought wine for Christmas. Of course you did. Of course you did. Annual revenues of over $4 billion in Ernest and Julio Gallo wines. How about the Rockefellers? Where did they get their money? And there's an Ariana Rockefeller who, let's just say, is easy on the eyes considering she is way removed from John D. Rockefeller in 1870. I would get – she's probably the great-great-granddaughter of Standard Oil. $11 billion net worth in that family clan. How about the Kathy family? Now, when you hear the Kathy family – 
You're like, is that like a female Kathy? No, it's not. A, it's a Kathy family. And you're not going to even know what the Kathy family has invented, I don't think. But again, it, it wasn't one location where they got rich. It was hundreds and hundreds. Chick-fil-A's. $11 billion family fortune. I can go through again and again and again. How about the Butt family? Ticker symbol, not ticker symbol, but last name B-U-T-T. <laughs> I said Butt. Uh, $25 billion in sales for a grocery store chain in America. It was known as the H-E-B grocery store, which when I saw that the other day, I was like, Heb, is that like, that's short for Hebrew. Is that, was there, was this, did a lot of wealth, was this rate? Uh, no, it was none of those things, but it went through my head. But see, they started grocery stores in 1905. The Stryker family. What do they do? Medical equipment. Someone in that family figured out hearts blow up, and when they do, we need to put a fake heart in someone's body with a battery, and it needs to go pump, 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 pump. So their family is now worth over $12 billion. The Mellon family, great, great grandpa. In 1860, came up with uh, a bank and coal and real estate. And future generations and generations and generations will live off of great-great-grandpa for generations to come. The Marshall family did it with oil. The Brown-Foreman family did it with alcohol. Jack Daniels, Woodford Reserve, Old Forester. Anytime you see the Brown family out in public, they tend to have like a paper cup filled with whiskey in their hand. That's alleged, but they kind of support their own product. There's some people in this industry that I don't know, and there's some that I almost feel a little bit of sadness for, the Sackler family. Could you imagine being the great-granddaughter of Arthur and Mortimer, who started the Purdue Pharmaceutical family in the 1950s? And the business skyrocketed in 1995 when they started selling Oxycontin. The profit they were generating from a painkiller in 2002 was surreal. Now their name is soiled with lawsuits. But Oxycontin still generates $3 billion in sales every year. The Goldman family, you know, is Goldman Sachs. They've got a 17% stake in the World Trade Center, developing properties around it. You're like, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, just to throw that out there for you. The Bass family, they made bass fishing. No, 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 that's not what they did. Oil, ExxonMobil. The Bush family, Anheuser-Busch where Haley Bush is the great-great-granddaughter. And let me just say this, as an heiress to a billion-plus dollars, she's pretty easy on the eyes. I can't even imagine. Like, Talk about winning a lottery. There's one thing to play the lottery this weekend when you go buy a $2 ticket and you grew up in blue-collar and like you felt like you were Billy Madison and you had to dance ballet for a living. Your dad was a coal miner. and None of that was the case for me. My dad didn't die a black lung and I didn't win the lottery, but – could you imagine just being born into this? Just being born. Haley Bush has got blonde hair, blue eyes. And mommy and daddy are worth a billion plus. 
Wow. The Anheuser-Busch family actually sold out in 2008, cashing in $52 billion. 30 members of the family split the, the, the fortune. That's a split I could live with. Just genetically being born in the right place at the right time. The Hunt family, this is the one that is in the Super Bowl. Not as good of a story as the Glazer family. Not a watch repairman who is a self-made millionaire. But $13.7 billion tied towards oil and also the Rosewood hotels and resorts. But Hunt Oil and Petro Hunt were their big ones. They've developed some business parks, minority ownership in the Chicago Bulls. They're not exactly hurting. There's some interesting ones on the list of billionaire families. William Ziff, and I go back with this one in Ziff Davis, PC Magazine. It's like, really? This is one that's kind of like edged in on it that I'm like, really? But Dirk Ziff was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. His father created Ziff Davis and grew the PC Magazine business to over $1.5 billion. So they're not filthy rich, but that $1.5 billion has turned into $14.4 billion in the last 20 years with proper investment. I think this list is showing you, A, no one got rich from owning one hotel. No one got rich from owning one restaurant. No one got rich from overnight. A lot of the money was inherited wisely with a trust or a will. Some of it was a great idea hundreds of years ago, like Campbell's Soup. Literally started in the early 1800s. Now Pe uh, Campbell's Soup owns Pepperidge Farm, the cracker company. Go get some Pepperidge Farm crackers. Tom Brady's on. They own V8. You remember that ad campaign? Oh, I could add a V8. Their soup company, Campbell's Soup, owns a lot of sub-brands. I don't expect Campbell's Soup to be around in 10, 20, 30 years. I expect them to be a division of a bigger company. But I do expect Campbell's Soup to be around. It's interesting. If you ever watch a nuclear zombie show and they've got some good-looking drifter who might have been a criminal in the past and he meets some single mother – who's raising two kids in a zombie apocalypse. And somehow he whips out a, a can of Campbell's soup because after a nuclear explosion, soup's okay. It's soup. It does the body good, right? Or is that milk? doesn't matter. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. But Campbell's soup is an enduring brand is what I'm getting at. Mm-mm, good. Now, those Campbell's soup kids, I didn't like. They creeped me out. They gave me the skeevies. I didn't like them. But the brand has endured even the scorn of Rob Black. How about the SC Johnson wealth? What does SC Johnson make? Pledge, Glade, Windex? You're not, that's not Johnson and Johnson? No. <laughs> They're Pledge, Glade, and Windex. And that's somehow worth $18 billion? Yes. And it was all started from a great, great, great grandfather? Yes. And the kids have had to do nothing in their life. Yes. How about the Lauder family, Estee Lauder? The Hearst family, thinking on television stations. The Duncan family, oil. The Hyatt family, the Cox family, cable television. 
What does this all tell you? You should you should have some lessons in your head of how to get wealthy. It's not day trading. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. This is a Mark Ronson song with Miley Cyrus, and I will be honest with you. I used to look at Miley Cyrus and go, I don't get it. She's a little girl on Disney. She's got a funny twang. Her daddy was Billy Ray Cyrus. My age don't remember fondly the achy breaky heart. It kind of grew in fondness, but when it first came out, we hated it. So what I'm kind of disclosing to you is that I had a negative image of Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus. And then she opens her mouth and she sounds like, oh, my God. And then she's got that crazy twang. And I was wrong. I dig her work. I think Party in the USA is a, a, a song of millennials. We can't stop. We won't stop. It, it's, it's the voice. She's the voice of the millennials in a lot of ways of their angst and their partying with Molly. I didn't know what Molly was. Hannah Montana taught me what Molly was. And that's a moment in your life where you're like, Jesus, I'm getting old. Please help me, children. <laughs> help me understand what the drug culture is all about. Um, but I still have friends who hate her. I've got a friend who's traveling to Montana right now. And I said, say hello to Hannah for me. He's like, oh, that slut, that hussy. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I like her music kind of thing. But I get it. I get it. It's easy to judge and not come back and say, she's done okay. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Coming up, I'm going to talk a lot of Super Bowl because there are Super Bowl concepts. Uh, I saw Jim Cramer yesterday do something cute. He came up with a list of Super Bowl stocks. Um, and he's like, well, for your kicker, you have to have consistency, 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 consistency. Um, and he named a stock that was consistent. Uh, to me, that felt a little bit like a stretch. And the receivers are the guys like Amazon and uh, Tesla. And I'm like, okay, they're gobbling up a lot of yardage. They're getting long returns. They're going from zero to 4,000. I get it. I get it. But it felt a little bit like a stretch. I try not to ever be that person for you. Earlier in the show, I was talking to you about uh, an email that I got from a man who's trying to hit home runs now. And he's 62 years old. I'm like, that's not the best thing to do. Um, but he brought up PayPal because he uses a PayPal credit card and he saw how the stock's doing and he kind of likes the way the two work in his head. I'm okay with some of that, but then you start getting a little bit dangerous in your head where I think you can come up with one great investment idea or two, but it starts to stretch after that. Peloton came out with a quarter last night. Let me give you an example. I'm trying to figure out Peloton. I think we all are. We get that it was a stay-at-home stock directly tied towards, honey, why are we paying three to $400 a month for a gym? We can't go to the gyms. Gyms are closed. Then after three months, we're like, gyms are still closed. That's $1,000 down the rat hole. After six months, it's 2000 Like We started like, you know, like, let's just buy a Peloton, okay? Let's get it over with and do it. But now that we're in year two of lockdown, how will Peloton do? 
And they gave us a little bit of a quarter last night that showed us. They blew out their revenues. They blew out their earnings. But they're having problems delivering enough bikes because the demand's still high. They said, you know, screw it. We're not even going to make the treadmills right now. There's demand for the treadmills, but there's so much demand for the bikes. We're only going to focus on the bikes. So they kind of told us we messed up. Stock's down 6% on this news. So my question with Peloton is, as we kind of become stock detectives, is how will it be next year? And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think it'll be okay. It won't be as great, but it'll be okay. And I'll give you my exact reasoning why. Christmas next year, 2021, 2022, 2023. For those of us out there who didn't get a Peloton for whatever reason, we didn't know if it was going to last. We didn't know how long the pandemic was going to be. We didn't know if we really needed a $3,000 bicycle with a video screen on it when we should be funding our retirement. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. If you bought a Peloton and you're not really comfortable with where you are in retirement, I think you made an aggressive purchase. So me, who's a little bit more on the conservative side, I'm going to get Peloton maybe for my sugar booger next Christmas. Remember the Christmas brouhaha pre-pandemic? 2019, you and I were sitting around the fireplace drinking some eggnog, and a Peloton commercial comes on the television where a man got a Peloton for his wife, who happens to be a model and might weigh 97 pounds with a wet T-shirt on. So he gives her this, and he's like, aha, see, honey, I love you. Christmas is all about the Peloton. And I didn't buy it then, but I'm buying it in 2021 because now we'll have had two years of it in our lives of seeing it and kind of wanting it and lusting for it, although we shall not lust after our neighbor's Peloton bikes, but we do. And I could see myself breaking down next Christmas and getting one. And the beauty about Peloton, it's not a one-time purchase. They get you on some video subscriptions, which are highly profitable. Sell you the gun for free. Sell you the bullets for double the price. Apple's trying to do it with get you the phone that is almost a money loser to get you to buy the revenues and services later. That's more so the PlayStation and the Xbox business model. But it's working for Peloton, too. Anyhow, I know you're saying, brutal, Rob. Did you just say anyone who bought a Peloton for their sugar booger instead of investing in their 401k retirement plan um, gets what they deserve when they hit retirement? I kind of did. But it's tough love, and you either like it or you don't. (laughs) And I don't know any other way. Apple's a little bit lower today. The mega cap champion in corner. Uh, lower. Microsoft, a little bit lower today. PayPal, a little lower. Qualcomm, bad day yesterday. A little lower today. I'll become interested in Qualcomm at some point. I'm interested in GameStop at some point. Like when it's 10 cents. But GameStop is a big winner today. You're allowed to buy and sell as much as you want on Robinhood, and it's up 31% today. Again, it's down 80% for the week entering today. You try to keep track of this crap. I didn't say that. You try to keep track of this. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.